Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bipolar Disorder Moment. My name is Alan Cooper. Today's show is going to be a little bit different from my usual podcast. Today, I'm going to be the one that's interviewed by my good friend, Julia Commit. Julie and I, if you were listening to my book, Julie and I first met when I worked at Camp Casota. She was the director there, and that was a very long time ago. But I've always kept in touch with Julia, and she was kind enough to invite me to speak to her congregation about bipolar disorder. This is about three years ago. Hope you enjoy my interview. Here we go. Little question for you today. How many of you uh, think that a higher number of crimes are, uh, uh, serious violent crimes are committed by those who have mental health conditions? Uh, okay, let me just qualify that a little bit. Uh, people, we're going to leave addictions out of that, but with mental health issues. Some people put up their hands, yes. It, that is not a true statistics, it's average. It's the same as the average population. Uh, people with severe mental health conditions. How many of you think that people with mental health disorders have more violent episodes of crime perpetrated towards them? That is true, yeah. And I've seen the effect of that because the former church I worked at was a rated downtown church and, and uh, is a downtown church and we had people with mental disorders in the uh, congregation and they had more crime perpetrated towards them. So w- sometimes what we think is not exactly true. Anyway, I invited a friend of mine to come and, uh, and speak with me today. Uh, that's why I didn't introduce Alan earlier. Come on up, Alan. This is Alan Cooper and uh, uh, he's been a friend. I have known... Uh, Alan longer than I've known any of you here, actually. Alan uh, was a camp counselor at uh, Camp Casota when I was the director there. Oh, I hate to say almost 30 years ago. <laughs> right, Alan, come on in, have a seat. You can put this over. Alan is, Alan is a, a good friend. We have some of the best conversations I ever have uh, with anybody. Uh, he's got a great sense of humor. He's also one of the most intelligent people I know. And uh, uh, so it's always a delight uh, to spend some time with Alan. So what we're doing today, actually, is I'm going to sit down and you are going to get to listen into a conversation I am going to have with Alan. So welcome, Alan. Thanks for coming. Is is his mic on, Keith? It is back here. Is it switched on? Is it is the light red? Yeah, we should have rehearsed. We kind of did, and then over one ear, and then over the other ear, and then we go. So let's switch that on. Can you hear me now? There we go. Yes. Test. Ah, oh, there we go. Okay, good. We got it now. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. You can hear yourself. Okay. okay. That, was, that was an ordeal. That was a test of our mental capacity there. <laughs> That's <fair. laughs> um, 
First, I wanted to ask you, because we've talked about this. Alan and I had dinner a, a little while ago, and he very graciously offered to do this. Um, I want to ask you first how you're feeling about doing this today. A little nervous, but very happy. Yeah. There are lots of things I want to say that I never get a chance to say. So. And why? Why, Alan, do you want to come and speak at something like this? A lot of people don't understand, and it's frustrating. Yeah, a lot of people don't. And Can pe you get pe experts, uh, like even media, in the media they say some things that are not correct, so that frustrates me. I never get a chance to say anything about it. Say anything about it. Yeah, thanks, Alan. Well, he, I also tell you, it's a little artificial because I said we have a time limit, so, <laughs> so he's being very good about keeping uh, his answers short because we have hours long conversations. Yeah, very long. They're, they're really good conversations. We do. We well, do. Well, we think they're good. We think they're good, yes. <laughs> okay, so. Um, you're here because we're, we're talking about mental health issues today. What is your mental health condition? What is your disorder? I have bipolar disorder, type 1. Bipolar type 1. And describe a little bit about what that is, how that manifests itself, how that works in your life. Um, yeah, that could take 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, so bipolar disorder 1 is uh, you have uh, manic episodes and depressive <laughs> episodes with uh, very specific sets of of symptoms that go either way yeah. and I guess the part that I'm frustrated with is people don't understand that it's a physical illness. I, I see a specialized doctor, a psychiatrist is a doctor to, to help me with those symptoms. Right. And do you want me to talk about symptoms? Yeah, or? tell us a little bit, it, it, tell us a little bit about the symptoms, what that looks like, what is a manic situation, what is a depressive situation and sort of the physical characteristics, what happens to you physically when, when yeah, so like when I go to my psychiatrist, she doesn't, well, she does say, how are you? She also does therapy, but in terms of my medication, she asks me questions. I'll start the depressive side because that's what I usually have to deal with the most. Um, and it's something that I don't think people understand very well. Uh, one thing that frustrates me is that depression is called depression because everybody in this room feels depressed, but that's not what I have. <laughs> That's not what I have at all. Um, and so people think, well, I get over my depression, why can't he get over my depression? And if I could run the world, I would change the word depression, my depression. Sometimes I do groups, peer support groups for other people who, who suffer from bipolar disorder. And uh, I tell, I sometimes create a different word for depression, like Frank or something random, and it makes people very happy. And even with my psychiatrist, she said if there was a different word, it would be easier for her. So depression symptoms are you don't enjoy anything. So can you imagine walking into this room and having no enjoyment? The singing, you would have no enjoyment. Um, the wonderful people I, I met when I first came in, conversation would be extremely difficult. You, you lose concentration. So if you ever thought about how much concentration goes into a conversation, you have to be able to know what's going on, you have to, it's a lot of speed, and it's a lot of affect. So if I'm not enjoying anything, it's really tough to have a conversation. So that one's really hard socially, because you'll sit with your friends, and they're like, what's wrong with you? And if you're just feeling depression, well then just get over it, right? But your brain just doesn't have it. Um, if it's really bad, you're in a lot of pain. My first depression, I lost so much energy, I had to brush my teeth with two hands, and yeah, like everything takes, so much energy, your body just doesn't have the chemicals it needs.
to keep you going. To function, really. To right? function, yeah. Yeah. So is it, would you say that the depression, because you said we all know what depression is, and depression is often a, a, a lack of affect or feeling or pleasure, but no. is it by degree? Do you think no, it's... No, you, you don't know what depression is. <laughs> okay. You know what the emotion depression is. Emotion, okay. But you don't know what bipolar depression is. Okay. Unless you have bipolar. Yeah, or, very or, different. Yeah. And in, in the manic... So the mania, um, so I have bipolar 1. Bipolar 2 is a little easier to explain. They have that depression I just described. But they also have something called hypomania. And a lot of famous people have this. Um, they go, their mood begins to elevate. Um, so they stop sleeping. They feel euphoria. Um, yeah, I've heard it described that it's like being on certain drugs. But I wrote, read a book of somebody who does the drugs and who has hypomania. And she says it's way more amazing than any drug you could ever take. Um, yeah, your interest in relationships goes a little higher. Uh, yeah, food tastes fantastic. That's the opposite in depression. In depression, well, in my case, food tastes terrible. Um, yeah, so it's, and people can be extremely creative, and very intelligent. So uh, people with bipolar 2 kind of go down. So people with bipolar 2 are generally happy about their diagnosis because they get medication so that this part doesn't become dangerous. Oh, spending money is a big one too, which hurts. It's so easy to spend money now. Yeah. And that consequence is really difficult to get back. In my case, I keep going and I have what's called psychosis, which you've witnessed. And uh, I, uh, I start to believe things that aren't true. I start to believe that I have this incredible intelligence and sometimes I have paranoia at the time that I don't recall. Um, where I think I have the number to save the world. And um, yeah, many years late after, it's, it's been uh, eight years now. It's kind of interesting to look back. I have this experience where I really believe that it's my responsibility to save the world. Not everybody gets to experience that. So I can look back now and think that's kind of interesting, but it destroys your life. Like, you, I've lost so many friends. Um, most friends aren't as gracious as you, most often. Friends are very scared of you after that, despite people are afraid of people with mental illness being violent, and we're not. We just have, unfortunately, we have an illness that has behavior, like if we had seizure or some other kind of symptom, but our symptoms are include behaviors. That's Behave. tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I did witness Alan. I had I had never wit I had witnessed one other person in a, in the hypermania phase of it, uh, but. Um, from my, my understanding, some people like that. Uh, yeah, so those, those are bipolar two people. This part feels really good. I don't like it because after that part, I get very nervous and I start believing things and I get very scared of the world. It's ex extreme. Yeah. 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 It's usually bipolar two people who like it. And sometimes they don't want to take medication because they don't want to lose that. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about the stigma associated with mental illness. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, even last week, I told my dad I was coming here, and I was kind of excited, and uh, he said nothing. Um, and he said, good luck with you. I, I was anticipating he was going to say, well, good luck when you're here and when you're talking. He said, good luck with your volunteer work. And I've been volunteering for weeks. So he just kind of pretended I didn't say anything. I posted things on, I'm, I don't tell people I have bipolar disorder. <laughs> I generally don't. And I post, I've been sort of testing things. I put things on Facebook to see if people will support the cause. 
never any response, maybe two likes, two or three likes. Um, most of us don't tell people we have bipolar disorder. Uh, sometimes the reaction can be very bad. Sometimes the reaction is just unpleasant. Sometimes it looks like people have bitten into like a Tylenol or something, like we've discussed <laughs> with them somehow. Yeah. Or I have a friend, a very close friend, if I talk about it, he just, I don't know where he goes, but he just pretends I'm not saying anything. So, and it's tough too, because it's not like we could have like a, a, a run, because none of us want people to see us, right? So it's hard for us to advocate for ourselves, because we don't want to be identified, we don't. Yeah, you can't advocate for yourself like somebody might who's had some other physical condition because, you know, you go for a run for the cure for cancer or you do something else. Yeah, you're not going to tell people that you're doing Right, yes. And, and in relation to the stigma, uh, you said to me something which was very interesting uh, a while ago. You said the stigma of it is almost as painful as the condition itself. Oh, yeah, anything that disconnects you from people, right? Like, yeah, because... I've lost, I've had three manic episodes, I've lost three careers, I've lost a wife, I've lost um, colleagues, colleagues who are afraid of me, for no reason really, and I've lost friendships, because people don't understand, so. So do you work now? I don't work full time anymore, no. No. I do peer support groups for other people that have bipolar disorder. Peer support groups and volunteer. And I volunteer. Right. Uh, and, and so this is what other people don't understand, I think, because you can't work, right? Because if you have a depressive uh, episode or a hypermania episode, you usually lose your job, right? Uh, yes. Right. And well, yes. And my everybody's bipolar is like different flavors of ice cream, <laughs> infinite different flavors of ice cream. Um, in my case, because a lot of people are extremely yeah, successful. But in my case, um, stress, I have a very severe reaction to stress. And mine's very volatile. Like, I just had a medication change last, last week because my doctor is very careful. So throughout the year, I have quite a few medication changes where there are some people who don't. Yeah. And so what some people don't realize, if, if, if you aren't able to work or don't have the energy to work or something, there's a huge economic cost sometimes to mental illness as well. Yeah, well, you're not working. <laughs> well, you're not working. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm on disability, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't get to do the same thing some people do. Or, or yeah, that's like. a little tough. And, like, my former colleagues are having a life that I... My very first manic episode, I was living in Japan. I was making great money, and um, I was living the life of my dream. And when bipolar took that away from me, I still had contact with those people who went on and continued to have this great, but I'm, I'm not. You weren't, you weren't there. And this is another question I, I, I found interesting that I had for Alan a while ago. What kind of energy does it take to function in, a, um, in society in general where people have, where there is stigma around mental illness and so on? What kind of energy does it function to hold you know, hold that in and, and not tell people and so on. It takes a lot of energy, tremendous amount of energy. Um, I do the peer support groups, like I said, and one of the things people say is you can come into our room and you can exhale and just be what you need to be. Because um, you can't, you, even if it's just not stigma, for example, if I'm going through a depression, I can't feel any pleasure. So my brother, being super nice, he gave me this free trip to Palm Springs 
And then I came back and he's like, well, did you have a good time? I had an awful time because I was in pain. I, uh, I couldn't, well, all those symptoms I just described to you, could you have a good time when you felt like that? No, right? But I can't say that. I have to say, yeah, I had a great time because he just paid for this wonderful <laughs> trip. And that happens a lot. Or that conversation I just had, a little bit of conversation back there before I came up here. It's really, you can't tell people that you're suffering like that. So you got to, we act. We act a lot. And it can be very exhausting depending on what your mood is. I don't get highs very much, but for those people, they have to concentrate to stay, to stop interrupting people, to stop talking for so long. It, it takes a tremendous amount of energy. Because you can't say, I'm not well right now. I couldn't say, I wasn't well. I didn't, I didn't like I the promise. The trip. <laughs> I hated the trip. <laughs> if you had another illness, you could say that, right? Like, you could say yeah. you weren't well enough to, yeah. to but sure. I couldn't say that. Yeah, exactly. Now the, if I did say that, people think, well, you're depressed. So when you're depressed, you go on a trip, you should be happy. Right. But that's not the same thing. So, the, so one of the important takeaways, it's a physical thing, right? It's, yes. a, it's literally a physical thing that you have, like diabetes or, or uh, autoimmune disorder or anything like that. It's physical. Yeah, like there was something on the news that really bothered me. There was a piece on bipolar disorder and a new treatment. And um, what's the person called? Not the reporter, but the person who introduces the story? Broadcaster. The broadcaster. She said that the... The solution to bipolar disorder turns out it's not in the mind, it's in the body. And I was like, it's <laughs> never been in the mind, it's never. I see a doctor, I see a doctor who gives me medication. I it's, never, it's never been in the mind. Wait, and maybe, maybe, and it never occurred to me, it's not a mental disorder. It's a mental illness. It's a mental illness, physical illness. Yeah, yeah, mental physical illness, yes. Now, the most importantly, because we're talking here. How do you want to be, to have a sense, how would we create a sense of belonging and openness and uh, a community for you? How would you like to be treated? Yeah, I, I, the big thing is compassion, right? Like, nobody wants pity, but I guess if people knew, like, the real suffering we had, just like the compassion people have with other illnesses, and just a bit of, because often there's... Like, on social media, it's awful, right? Like, there's no... Or often, if you're in a workplace and you can't work because you're in a depression, you're, the staff is angry, right? Like, well, I have to... Like, what, why do they get an excuse? Because they're... But, yeah, just a bit of compassion and just a bit of dignity, really. Yeah. Dignity and compassion. Um, so when I was sick for this community, I was off for five months, and they gave me great compassion. That's all you're asking for as yeah, well, right? Absolutely. In, in, in that situation. Even employers, like I've lost jobs because my employer, I got, uh, I've known people with physical illnesses who got a lot of support, whereas in my case, I was a, it was kind of a discipline problem for, the, for my work falling behind, but I know other people with health, their health conditions when they were, their work fall behind. It wasn't a disciplinary hearing. Right. You, <laughs> or disciplinary meeting. Disciplinary meeting to say, yeah. you're not getting your work done, how can we help you? It was, yeah, you need to step it up. Yeah. Or whatever yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's a compassion welcome. So I, I spent some time with Ellen uh, 
I, ha- I had lunch with Alan once when he was in the hypermania, and, and I said to him, how... That, so that would be full-blown mania. Full-blown mania, okay. A full-blown mania. And, and I asked him afterwards, because I had... <coughs> my, my heart was heavy when I left meeting with him then, if there was something I could have done for him to help him. And... Yeah, that's such a hard question. Um, I mean, if you're in imminent danger, you can call the police, but even at that, that's kind of iffy. Um, and if... At that point, it's too late, right? Like, if you would have said, okay, you make no sense, you need to go to the hospital, I would have said, I, my current brain would be, oh, you don't, you don't get it, so I need to, I need to get out of here. I right. To, right. I was also afraid that people were going to catch me because I had this number. In that, in that state. So, so the thing is, you just want people to walk with you, have compassion. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, when we go through that, yeah, I mean, it's, so, it's embarrassing, and uh, we feel a lot of shame. And my psychiatrist says, why would you feel shame? These are just physical things. And I tell her it's because we have to look in people's eyes. I don't feel ashamed of what I've done, but I, when I see those looks in people's eyes, that when people are afraid of you for something, that's tough. That's not a good feeling. So, Absolutely. Um, what would you say is your quality of life, or what brings you quality of life now? What? My quality of life is pretty good, actually. Um, I still suffer. There's no cure for bipolar disorder. So um, a couple of weeks ago it was not fun. I hit that point where I wasn't enjoying things. But I have medication that works. Um, some of us have therapy. Uh, that's just a kind of, we have a very finite, limited amount of energy. So the therapy puts less pressure on that. I volunteer. I love my volunteer work. Uh, peer support is amazing. If anybody ever has a mental illness, um, I highly recommend peer support. Um, that's just magic, really. And I, th- some people say you can manage. I think I don't. I hate that word. I think you can reach wellness. You won't stop suffering, but you can have fulfillment. You can have some happiness. I think it's totally possible. So life is life is still good. It's still good. It's still crappy, and it's still good. <laughs> it's, a, it's a challenge sometimes, but it can. You have to good. accept you're going to suffer. Okay, accept the suffering. That's a that's a good statement, actually. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah. And for some reason. Good point, Kim. Yeah, absolutely. And for some reason, we're very hard on ourselves. Like the theme in our group I've been facilitating for six years is people that I often say, okay, you know what? You're not well. You don't need, you know. You're right, and you don't need to be so hard on yourself. You, you're okay right now, right? Yeah, you're okay. Love yourself right yeah, now. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually probably the best thing our group does. It's, there's no condition when you come into our group. There's no uh, survey. There's no uh, handouts. This is not a social work thing. This is a place where you can just be yourself, and you're totally fine. Yeah, absolutely. I am sorry we're going to have to That's leave That's the it. buzzer? No, we're going to have to leave it. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. So that was my interview at Oak Tokes United Church. I really want to thank Julia for inviting me to speak to her congregation. It was such an honor, and I have to say what a lovely group of people they were. 
I didn't feel an ounce of nervousness once I got going. They, they were very attentive and very welcoming. And thank you, my podcast listeners, for listening to my show today. This will be my last weekly podcast. Starting in September, I will be doing one podcast a month. And on my blog, I will be writing a blog and every week. And one blog a week will just be my podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn a bit more about me or some of the things I've written, you can check out my blog, BipolarWeekly.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Alan G. Cooper. I also have a Facebook group called the Bipolar Disorder Moment. So feel free to check all of that out. And that's the show for today. This has been another Bipolar Disorder Moment.
Thank you.